You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, um, still, still bugging me that I didn't get a podcast out yesterday, really. I got to figure something else out, because that's just going to annoy me for a very long time. But uh, I did get a little mini thing out yesterday, more or less just laying out the ground rules for today. And if you didn't hear it, the rules are simple. I'm going to say good things, and I'm going to say bad things today. And if you're not okay with the second part, I, I, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> I just don't. But um, seven and one, man. Whoop, whoop. And stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's Advanced Stats Day, also known as PFF and maybe some other stuff day. Also, um, I'm thinking there's a good chance that all my begging and pleading for you to help me out with stuff is, is going to come to somewhat of an end. I'm thinking through the end of the year. And it may happen as early as tomorrow. So consider this uh, a mega beg. If you have not, um, I'll probably have to keep reminding you about Instagram. But if you have not helped out on uh, iTunes, if you could please do that, that would be fantastic. Uh, Five-star rating and review really, really does help out the show quite a bit. Although there does seem to be a problem with iTunes algorithm a little bit. Because I don't know of anyone that really has as good of a... I mean, I know some people who have more. There's two or three podcasts that have more ratings. Nobody has 4.9. I feel like I should get some credit for that, but still, I go search for Packers podcasts and mine is still buried, which is a little annoying. Sometimes buried behind shows that haven't even posted an episode in like four years. Podcasting universe is very lagging as far as putting in any effort. But that's okay. It's, it's fine. I still appreciate you and it still does help. I think it actually helps more than just about anything. Um, Instagram. As I alluded to, we had uh, Brian post a picture in the Facebook group of his jersey, the signed Paul Harning jersey. So very, very cool. We're at 424, so we've still got quite a bit of a climb to go before we get to 500 and give away another jersey. But at 500 and 700, we've got two more signed jerseys to give away. So if you haven't done that yet, again, if everybody listening just quick goes to Packernet Podcast on Instagram, clicks follow, we're giving away a couple jerseys. Otherwise, uh, Facebook group, I think that's about it. Also, just a thought, if you don't like any of those ideas and you haven't done anything and you're just sitting around saying, how in the world could I help this young man? He works oh so hard for me every day, and I just would like to help him out. We are creeping up on episode 600. I believe this is 590. Something that I have asked in the past is for a $6 donation for the 600th episode, which essentially is a penny per episode. So there are also links in the description for how to go about doing all that stuff. Or a link that takes you to a bunch of links that can show you some ideas on how you can help out. But again, if you are on the fence, please go ahead and do it now, because I, I may stop begging soon. Oh, especially Patreon. If you have any desire for that, go ahead and do it. Alright, now why don't we go ahead and take a break and talk about the Green Bay Packers. So look, I fully understand that for whatever reason probably because it's Los Angeles, the Chargers game is selling tickets for like a billion dollars. I would like to say, however, if you got a pile of money and you really want to go to L.A. to watch this game, you might as well use Vivid Seats and see what kind of a discount you could get. But even if you're not doing that, I'm sure you got something coming up. Whether it's a concert, theater show, I don't know what you're into, man. Going to see Cats or something, I don't know. Is that even a thing anymore? Fiddler on the Roof? Backstreet Boys? What? You know, it's it's fine. Just I'm just saying... You don't have to tell me when you buy the tickets, so it's fine. And just remember, you get the Vivid Seats rewards and a 100% buyer guarantee. So go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and you're automatically put in the Vivid Seats reward loyalty program. And then when it comes time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME to receive up to a $100 discount. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So first of all, according to PFF, the Green Bay Packers are now ranked eighth. The Vikings, however, they have second. So when I tell you that they're for real, and I don't think anyone doesn't believe me. If you, if you want to say the Packers are better, that's fine. These are all obviously a little bit subjective and based on whatever, whatever. I just, just, just for the person out there that's talking so much trash and legitimately is still on the Kirk Cousins is no good bandwagon and we're going to smoke you in, in, you know, in Minnesota and all that stuff. I mean, just dial it in a tad for your own sake. I mean, if you're, if you're good, I mean, I mean, go for it. But right now it's 49ers, Vikings, then Patriots. So just saying. Also, a big part of this is the fact that the offense has now surpassed the defense because the defense has been in a free fall since the beginning of the season. The defense that I think was ranked number one at the at the very least, I know it was number three overall, is now all the way down to 14th. The offense, on the other hand, is up to seventh place and climbing. Uh, passing offense is ranked third. Pass blocking, they have us third. Uh, receiving is 10th, which really isn't that bad. However, a large part of that is still due to Devontae, who I think is ranked like third overall. Uh, the Packers are ranked 17th in rushing, but I have to assume that that's coming up. I know at the beginning of the year, because th- this whole thing is just average. It's not weighted or anything like that. So some of this is still, you know, I mean, if it's been three really good games, but it's it was four or whatever bad before that. Um, that's something that was really, really low that's slowly getting better. Plus, I mean, you have, I think it was like last week, Aaron Jones didn't do very well. This week, Jamal didn't do very well. It's usually one of the two doesn't have the greatest game ever. It's the fact that there's a balance that one of them does really well that kind of gives the illusion that the Packers' run game is always just elite the last three, four weeks. However, it's usually one does really well and one kind of has a bad day. Uh, run blocking, Packers are middle of the pack, 14th. And then defense, looking at run D, the Packers are 27th, which is shocking that there are teams that are worse. Um, Those teams would be the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Colts, and the Chiefs. I have to assume the Chiefs being all the way down here at dead last. At least a little bit the Packers contributed to, so that makes me feel a little bit good. But also, again, it's cool we did it to the Chiefs and all, but, I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, Tackling, the Packers are 27th. Again, how are teams worse? Actually, you know what? I watched that Bears game. The Chargers are absolutely worse. The Chargers are ranked dead last. That is going to be a, a just an embarrassment of riches. That is, that's the wrong phrase. But it will be embarrassing. I was just trying to think of a phrase that has embarrass in it. Very much the wrong phrase, though. But yeah, the Chargers were garbage in tackling. Also, the Lions are bad. We're going to face them again. So that's cool. Also, hopefully, they're trading Darius Slay. I don't know if it's going to happen. But there were rumors that they were open to it, so I'm really hoping someone pulls the trigger. There were even rumors maybe the Bears would go get him. I wouldn't even honestly mind that very much. It would make it a little less likely that uh, we beat the Bears again, but it would make it much more likely that uh, we beat the Lions, considering they already gave away Quandre Diggs, and they seem to be in teardown mode for whatever reason. So please trade him away so that we can guarantee a victory against the Lions. That'd be great. But yeah, tackling is uh, it's really bad, and it's very frustrating. And, and that's actually, you know, Vikings are number one. As I said, good defenses tackle well. The Packers have not been tackling well, and they've been continuing to decline week after week after week. Pass rush, the Packers used to be, I think, like number one-ish. They're all the way down to 15 now. The numbers still look pretty good, but you got a lot of guys rushing all the time and not a lot of production. I mean, you look at Zadarius particularly, or Preston particularly, and to be honest, they're not even grading out all that well, but they are doing well as far as statistics go. So the only way I can reconcile that in my mind is sometimes they're really good and productive and sometimes they're just not doing very well. I don't know. Not watching them snap to snap. And then coverage, the Packers are still ranked eighth, which is surprising but good. Um, Probably largely to do with certain players as opposed to other players. I mean, Jair is is ranked as one of the better corners. Um, Actually, Chandon Sullivan, I think, is right now rated our highest graded corner. It's slightly lower sample size, but he's been playing a good amount of snaps. He's over 100 right now. And, I mean, you can't deny the guy's been dominant. I've never seen him mess anything up, and he's come up big in several situations, coming up with big pass breakups and whatnot. He's just one of those guys that, like, at first they kind of come up and make a play, and it's like, aw, look, it's Chandon Sullivan. Good for you, buddy. And then he just keeps doing well, and it's like, is he really good? Or, like, what's going on here? Like, I, I think I really like this guy. What's, I don't understand this. 
And then finally, the Packers are ranked 28th in special teams because that has suddenly become a nightmare and um, something to be very worried about. Now, fortunately, the guys kicking the ball seem to be doing a pretty good job. Obviously, J.K. didn't have his best day uh, this past week, or at least he didn't appear to. I didn't check uh, his actual numbers, but I know it looked pretty ugly. But uh, Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott are very good football players, but the returners and the blocking are just terrible. Actually, why don't we start with special teams? So the guys that stood out as uh, having a good day, Mr. Danny Vitale and Dexter Williams. So props to Dexter. He's finding a a role somewhere. Uh, Dexter and Danny Vitale actually were pretty much side-by-side, five each for kick return and six each for kick coverage. So they're on the kickoff teams. Vitale with a little bit of uh, punt return and punt coverage. But again, both of them graded out very well. Only one guy actually graded out as very, very bad, and that was Jamal Williams. Uh, He was only out there for seven snaps. He didn't do very much, but four kick coverage, three on punt coverage. So um, he's a pretty good blocker, but not so much on special teams, I guess. I don't know. As far as the kickers, J.K. Scott actually had a below average grade. Uh, Let's see. Yards per attempt, 35.3. His net yards, 29.3. His longest was a 43-yard boot. um, And his average hang time was 4.11. So this is kind of what I'm talking about. When I'm saying guys had bad days, right? When I was frustrated watching this game on Sunday night, what I was saying, and this is what I was just trying to get, guys were just having bad days, and it felt like a team that was trying to lose the game. Now, this happens to every team. This happens all the time where you got good players that just, for some reason, something's wrong. There's a funk. And that that just seemed to be the case. There were things that we haven't really seen go wrong that seemed to be continually going wrong. Every single week, there's there's good teams that lose to teams that have no business losing to those teams, right? I mean, the Colts seem to be a pretty good team. They've only lost to two teams, and it was to the Raiders and the Chargers. Those are like the two easiest games they've played. Granted, they don't know that they've really played a hard game so far. Wow, I didn't even realize that. They've got an easy schedule. Chargers, Titans, Falcons, Raiders, um, Chiefs. I don't know if they had Mahomes. That's a pretty impressive win if they did. Texans and Broncos. All right, how about the Cowboys losing to the Jets as an example? Are the Cowboys a bad team? No, I don't think they are. Are the Jets a bad team? Yes, they are abysmally, horribly terrible. They're straight-up trash. Are the Cowboys better than the Jets? Yes, 99 times out of 100, they're better. But there are times when just stuff is just going wrong. Everything's going wrong. And again, my view of this game is that the Packers did not play a very good game, but they found a way to win, and I think that that's endearing. I think that's a good thing. But I got to start from the standpoint of things didn't go as well as they should have. And again, if that upsets you, I I don't know what to say. Very clearly, there were certain people that were not doing as well as they could have. Because it happens. It happens to every team. It happens all the time. Finding a way to win and fighting through this sort of funk. And sometimes it's, it's a funk from the team. Sometimes it's just the other team is just on fire. And they're kind of putting you in this funk. Because they're just playing with their hair on fire. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. I don't know what it was. Again, this isn't me attacking the team. I'm just stating what is blatantly obvious. Just as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking, oh no, we're, we're going to lose this game. But they found a way to win. And J.K. Scott shanking punts was a pretty good indication that something's a little bit wrong here. But uh, Mason 4 for 4 on his extra points and nailed his one uh, field goal in the 30-yard range which if you watch the Bears or a lot of other teams, you recognize how incredibly valuable it is to have Mason Crosby, somebody that a lot of people wanted gone this year. Just want to remind you of that. He's no good. We need to have Ficken. We need to get somebody else. He's overrated. Blah, blah, blah. Remember that one Detroit game where he missed like four field goals? I hate him. Get rid of him. You remember. You know what I'm talking about. Um, And then return grades. I honestly didn't know that this is who this was. I really thought that that was MVS returning those kicks because it just looked like a really big dude that was running fast in a straight line. That was Chandon Sullivan, if you, like me, didn't realize that. That's kind of crazy. But um, nobody graded out well, because nobody did very much. Chandon Sullivan's average kickoff return yardage was 16 yards per attempt. That's not good. Uh, Darius Shepard graded out as average, because he just did fair catches on punts all day long. So... Anyways, now let's move on to the defense, something that's much more interesting, and I want to move on to that because I tend to think that that's going to be a little bit more negative than the offense, but I don't know. I guess we'll find out what your opinion is after the fact. Speaking of negative, let's start with that. Overall defensive grades. So the three players that graded out as bad. 
Number one, Will Redmond. And all three of these guys, it's primarily garbage tackling, but on top of that was bad coverage grades. Uh, Will Redmond. Number two is Kevin King. Number three, who was dead last, is Darnell Savage. I saw a comment somewhere about, maybe it was sarcasm, I don't know, but did, did Darnell Savage coming back have a positive impact on something or another? No, it did not. Um, the vast majority of yards given up through the air and receptions given up were Kevin King and Darnell Savage. Other guys that were graded poorly, this is more or less below average, though. Blake Martinez, um, kind of just below average across the board. Nothing super great or terrible stands out. Um, Kenny Clark, again, another bad day. His tackling improved, but the pass rush was low and his uh, run defense was below average. Dean Lowry, exact same situation, almost the exact same grade as, as, as Kenny. And uh, Kingsley Kiki, who only played two snaps, so can't really critique that too much. On the positive side, two guys had good grades. Adrian Amos, largely because of his coverage. Uh, tackling was a little bit low, but uh, overall good grade. Otherwise, Chandon Sullivan, pretty average across the board, except, again, coverage. We'll get into specific stats in a minute, but uh, there you go. And then good, getting close to very good, was Jair Alexander. He had a very, very high uh, coverage grade. However, his tackling grade was terrible. Our, our secondary right now and their ability to tackle is painful. And we saw it. I don't know how many times we saw guys flying around and missing tackles, and you got gains of two yards turning into gains of 15 yards between Darnell Savage, Kevin King, uh, Will Redmond, Amos even, even though he did have a couple good tackles, Jair. It's just, just ugly, man. Um, but then we had two guys who were in the very, very good category. Um, second highest grade was Zadarius Smith, obviously almost entirely because of pass rush. His tackling grade was also really, really low, but on, well, uh, we'll save the stats, but he, uh, he had a very good pass rush grade. And then number one, who is rapidly becoming our top defensive lineman at this point, entirely because of his abilities in run defense, Mr. Tyler Lancaster. Again, his tackling, again, terrible, which, you know, it seems like it's hard to imagine how your run defense can be good, but your tackling isn't. But really, we're just talking about winning your matchups on, you know, run plays, not getting blocked out of these things. Your ability to finish the play and, and bring a guy down when the opportunity presents itself is a separate situation. But he, Tyler Lancaster is a very, very, very good run defender. He's been up there just about every single week in his run defense. He's useless as a pass rusher, sometimes struggles to tackle, but as a run defender, he just delivers every week. So pretty fantastico. Looking at some of the stats, uh, pressures. Preston and Zadarius were the highest with three each. Preston was a little bit more impressive in terms of pressure percentage because he only pass rushed 24 times. Zadarius was 34. However, Zadarius had two sacks and a hit. Preston had two hits in a hurry. Um, otherwise, uh, Rashawn Gary was graded out as average, so I didn't really give his overall grade. His pass rush grade wasn't even that high. However, still pretty impressive statistically. He had two pressures on a day when he only rushed the passer seven times which is like a 33% rate. That's pretty impressive. Um, he was only given 14 total snaps, so obviously they're not giving him a ton of opportunities, which isn't a great sign in terms of their um, you know, respect of what he's able to do. Dean Lowry also had two pressures on 21 attempts. Kenny Clark had two pressures on 37 attempts. And Kyler Fackrell had one on 11 attempts. I suppose we can break down some of these grades a little bit further. Uh, run defense, there's not much to talk about outside of uh, Tyler Lancaster. Tackling, it's like guys are either good at it or they're terrible at it. So the best tackler of the group was Tremont. After, uh, so the guys that were all good, Tremont, Kyler Fackrell, Preston Smith, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark was pretty solid. Blake was the only one that was average. And then beyond that, it was just horrible. So Adrian Amos was in the 40s, which is bad. Zadarius in the 40s, which is bad. Then going down into the 30s, Jair and Darnell Savage, which is, I guess, very bad. And then you get down into the 20s, which is abysmal. You got Kevin King, Tyler Lancaster, and Will Redmond. Pass rush, it's Zedarius, and then nobody really. Uh, Montravius was the only one that kind of stood out a little bit in terms of grades. Nothing really showed up on the stat sheet, but 12 attempts, and uh, he had a almost good grade. Everyone else was basically below average. Then coverage, uh, the good grades, you had Jair, number one, then Tremont, then Chandon Sullivan, then Adrian Amos, then a bunch of meh. And then getting into below average, you had Preston, then Blake, then going down into bad, you had Will Redmond, then Darnell Savage, and then finally Kevin King. PFF right now has 11 missed tackles they recorded. That That's that's super embarrassing. That's horrible. 11 missed tackles. I forgot who it was, if it was uh, 
might have been Nagler. Somebody on on Twitter said something to the effect of, you take away a bunch of these missed tackles, and this is a very different game, and I think that's true. I think this starts to look a little bit more like a blowout if you just take away a bunch of these missed tackles. So Jair missed two, Darnell Savage missed two, Kevin King missed two, Tyler Lancaster missed one, Blake Martinez missed one, Will Redmond missed one, Adrian Amos missed one, and Zedarius missed one. So the whole team is just contributing to just absolute garbage tackling. I mean, come on, man. Uh, We had one forced fumble recorded. That was Mr. Tyler Lancaster. Looking at uh, targets, there were three guys that were targeted the most, Jair, Darnell Savage, and Kevin King. Jair gave up four receptions, Darnell gave up five, and Kevin King gave up five. The biggest difference between all of them would be the yardage as well as the touchdowns. So Jair, seven targets, four receptions, but he gave up 35 yards, no touchdowns, and had a pass breakup. Darnell Savage was targeted seven times, gave up five receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. Kevin King was targeted six times, gave up five receptions for 75, 74 yards and a touchdown. The passer rating between the three, uh, Jair 70.5, Darnell Savage 148.8, Kevin King 157.6. Uh, Chandon Sullivan, he was out there for 23 snaps, only targeted three times, which is kind of crazy. You would think when you see a guy like that out there, you're going to throw at him. But uh, three targets, only one reception. It was 25 yards, so a pretty big reception. But he also had a pass breakup. So good on him. I think he's doing a really good job. 64.6 is his passer rating. Again, I'm pretty sure we can go back and look at it. I'm pretty sure he's our highest graded overall um, corner right now. Yes, largely because he hasn't done much, but he also hasn't had a bad day yet. So that that's going to help you be a top corner. Uh, Blake Martinez was in coverage three times, gave up two receptions for 16 yards. Now, this is pretty debatable because obviously that touchdown to uh, Kelsey pretty sure a lot of people would put that on Blake, but apparently PFF didn't see enough to know definitively that was on him, but whatever. They're calling it three targets, two receptions, 16 yards. Adrian Amos, three targets, three receptions, and 16 yards. Also came up with a pass breakup, which is awesome. Got to get your hands on them, man. Kyler, two targets, one reception for negative two yards, so that was actually a good thing that he caught that ball. Tremont, two targets, two receptions for only 19 yards, and then Preston Smith, one target, one reception for four yards. So I was wrong. Looking at it from a uh, national perspective, this is kind of a cool thing here. And this is what I wanted to do anyways, and since we kind of ran through all the numbers and stuff, let's take a look at this. Looking at coverage grades only, the Packers now have three corners that are in the top 16. I would like to say 15, but Chandon Sullivan is just shy of it. So Jair is graded as the eighth best corner in football. Tremont Williams, who doesn't get any hype at all, is the 12th best corner in football. We're talking coverage grades here. It's a little bit lower overall because he has a terrible run defense grade and everything else. Same with Jair, by the way, which is why overall grade Chandon Sullivan's actually a lot higher because his tackling is phenomenal. But just coverage, Chandon Sullivan is the 16th highest graded corner in all the NFL right now. And this is me filtering out people that don't have enough snap counts, by the way. Chandon Sullivan makes the cut. Overall passer rating that he's given up so far is a 56 if you look at overall defensive grade, Chandon Sullivan is the 15th highest graded corner in football. He is uh, above Jair, who is graded as the 18th best corner in football. Again, his his coverage grade is great. Run defense and tackling, Jair is really, really struggling. Do I dare bring up where Kevin King is in all this? <laughs> I mean, are you, do you want to know? or uh, Okay, trigger warning. I'm going to tell you Kevin King's grades now. If you don't want to hear it, go ahead and close your eyes and cover your ears for a minute. I know some people are very sensitive about this. Out of 125 corners, Kevin King is graded 97th right now. Looking at just coverage grades out of 125, Kevin King is 93rd. So we've got Jair 8th, we've got Tremont 12th, we've got Shannon Sullivan uh, 16th, and we've got Kevin King 93rd. And again, that's overall grade as well as coverage grade. The only thing he's graded positively in is pass rush, and he's literally never been asked to pass rush once. (laughs) Uh, Looking at a few others, uh, defensive interior. We'll just do grades, and then we'll do stats or whatever, and then we'll get to the offense. I don't know if I have time for this, but I want to go through it anyways. Uh, Not a lot to look at as far as defensive interior. Overall uh, interior defensive grades, nobody really stands out positively. In terms of run defense, Tyler Lancaster is in the top 25, so that's cool. Tackling, Montrevious is our top tackler. Um, he's 27th. In terms of pass rush, as I mentioned yesterday, Kenny Clark is actually doing all right. He doesn't stand out super much, 
Uh, the, the, the biggest thing with him right now is that his run defense and tackling is really bad. And his pass rush isn't quite as good as it was, but it's still pretty good. It's just he's not getting any sacks, so it doesn't really stand out. And then you mix in all the, the troubles with run defense and everything. It kind of gives a more negative view of Kenny than it probably should, although it's still definitely not great. But he is currently 22nd of all the interior defenders in terms of pass rush. Edge rushers, Zadarius Smith is 17th. Preston is 31st. So, again, overall grades. And grades in general, they're not grading out super well. Big part of this, you look at Zadarius's tackling grade is one of the worst in football. Well, it's I mean, it's really bad. There's a lot of guys that are struggling, though. Uh, Olivier Vernon, Cameron, Jordan, terrible. Everson Griffin is really bad. Jadavian Clowney is pretty bad. TJ Watt is bad. Brandon Graham is bad. A lot of these really good pass-rushing guys are, for some reason, really struggling to tackle. Uh, run defense, not one guy is in the top 32, so I'm not even going to mention names because that needs to get a lot better. Um, tackling, we've got uh, our top one is outside of the top 50 so again really bad not even going to mention names because that's embarrassing pass rush however Zedarius 14th Preston 11th so you know statistically they're better than that but still pretty awesome um, in terms of duos however uh, Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin are 9 and 10 and then Nick Bosa and D Ford uh, in San Francisco are 6 and 7 so in terms of duos San Francisco clearly has the top duo after that, it would be Minnesota. And then after that, I'm pretty sure it would be uh, Green Bay. So, hey, top three pass rush duo in football. Pretty fantastic. I don't even want to talk about linebacker because I'm guessing he's not. I, I, in fact, I know he's not top of anything. And then I'm hesitant to even talk about safety because, um, you know, I mean, I'd have to point out that Haha's higher than Amos, and that's going to send people into an absolute tailspin. But Will Redmond and Adrian Amos are both uh, top 32 in run defense, so that's cool. Adrian Amos is a very, very good tackler, which is kind of what we knew about him. He's 11th overall as far as tackling. Yes, better than HaHa. So there you go. Go run out and tweet it real quick. Let the world know. As far as coverage, however, not one of them is grading out very well. Darnell Savage, who started out very hot, um, is is kind of trending downward not just this last week obviously we can give him a pass on this one because he's been out a while it's been kind of trending downward for a little bit um not one of them is top 32 two of them are top 50 though so just to give you kind of a, an idea it's darnell savage and adrian amos are both top 50 haha is graded as 15th so if i haven't upset you yet i probably did just now i told you he was not bad man i told you that the bad tackling stuff was a myth based on statistics Bad angles and takes plays off, yeah, but he's a good coverage safety, and he's not as bad of a tackler as a lot of people want to say he is, based on just numbers. And I'm not upset. I like I like Amos. He's a good safety. Just saying. It is what it is, man. Can't even be upset anyways. I mean, look at what the Bears are doing. They're losing constantly. Anyways, just a couple statistics to look at. Um, right now, as far as the total pressures, trying to see in that whole race, um, Zadarius is eighth right now with 40 total pressures. Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin are just miles ahead of everybody. They're second and third in this race, and J.J. Watt is number one, and he's now out for the season. So we're about to see Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin as number one and number two in total pressures. They're just absolutely annihilating everybody. Daniil Hunter has 51 pressures. Everson Griffin has 45. Sidarius right now has 40. Preston is 16th with 32 pressures. I mean, that's still awesome to have uh, the 8th highest and 16th highest. I think that might be the second highest duo, so that's awesome. In terms of sacks, uh, Zadarius is very much in this race. He's tied for fifth. Shaquille Barrett is still number one, but he's about to lose that. He just had a massive flurry of sacks early on. He was way ahead of everybody, but he's starting to level off. So guys that are more consistent are, are about to pass him. So Miles Garrett, uh, Dante Fowler, and Chandon Sullivan all have nine. And then Nick, uh, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa... Uh, Joey Bosa, Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, and Cam Jordan all have eight. Preston, Marcus Golden, and Mario Addison have seven. So there's just this race to the top, and it's all getting really tight. It used to be that there were some guys that are just way ahead, and it's like, oh, we'll never catch them. Well, they're st it's all leveling out, right? Again, one guy has ten, and he's about to fall off. So really, you got nine, eight, seven. Preston and Zadarius are right in that race, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, finally, I just want to acknowledge Shire. Still has number one uh, pass breakups. He had one more last week. He's at 10 right now. Uh, Shaquille Griffin is second with nine. Justin Coleman has eight. Carlton Davis and Stephon Gilmore have seven. The only reason I bring that up 
is because there's really only like five other guys outside of Jair that have more than five on the entire season. Jair has 10. Kevin King also, by the way, I'll give him credit because credit where it's due. He's gotten his hand on, all right, I'm not going to say it. He's, um, he's had a lot of pass breakups and interceptions. So three picks and uh, four pass breakups. His three interceptions are tied for second with Tredavious White, James Bradbury, Quinton, a bunch of guys. And then just looking at straight-up passer rating, uh, Chandon Sullivan is 11th with the um, 11th lowest passer rating given up. You can always kind of tell like how legit some of these things are, right? Passer rating, a lot of people like it, but it doesn't matter. You know how I know? Look at the names of the people that are at the top. J.C. Jackson, Emmanuel Mosley, Richard Sherman, Quinton Dunbar, Stephon Gilmore, Jordan Lewis. Some of these are good players, but not that much. That's also why I tend to like the grades over the stats. Some people hate the grades or whatever. That's fine, but even, you know, pass breakups. Jair, Shaquille Griffin, Justin Coleman, Carlton Davis, Stephon Gilmore. J- these are better corners for sure, but if you just organize it by grade, you're going to get a list of corners that are good. But either way, credit where it's due. But anyways, there's, there's, there's plenty to like about this team, particularly these edge rushers really getting the job done. I think that's making a big impact. One of, one of the things I really, really like is I feel a lot of hope on third down. Third down last year and the year before that and probably the year before that, third down was always the worst down ever, especially third and long. It was like, oh, this is a guarantee because we don't have pass rush and we really don't have very good coverage. And since we can't get to the quarterback and we're probably just playing soft zone out there, soft as in I'm going to stand in this spot and not move, leaving lots of big holes, meant automatic conversion on every single third and long. The, the, the amount of times, if, if we go back and look at all the sacks and all the hits and all the all this different stuff, the interceptions, the pass breakups, how many of these big plays came on third down? It's just fantastic. Especially Zadarius and Preston coming up big with sacks on third down. It's incredible. That makes a really big difference in this team, especially when we're talking about the ability to win in the end. When the, when the offense needs to come together and, and scratch together a couple more points and we still need to stop the other team from scoring points, that's when Preston and Zadarius and Kevin King and Jair and these guys, they come up big when it matters. That's been a huge difference. Even, even, as, even as I sit here and say the defense seems to be declining, they haven't lost that critical attribute of coming up big when it matters the most. That has stayed true since week one. But anyways, let's take a break and take a look at the offense next. So we're, uh, we're about halfway through the season right now. Packers are making a legit playoff run. And I got to be honest, if you have not gotten in on the action yet, now is clearly the time. As of right now, the Packers are once again four-point favorites. And as I've told you before, these things move. I really would not be surprised, depending on the injury reports, if by the time the time comes, we're talking five, five-and-a-half-point favorites for the Packers. Uh, the over-under sitting at 46-and-a-half, which is a little bit lower than usual, probably largely to do with the fact that the Chargers can't score. But who knows? Maybe they don't think the Packers are going to do anything. Also, Super Bowl check. Will Enrique Iglesias make an appearance on stage during the Super Bowl halftime show? If he does, it's paying out plus 300, man. I mean, Pitbull? It's actually minus 150 right now that Pitbull appears on stage, so apparently he's, he's going to be there. Hey, look, you got to make the halftime show interesting somehow. So either turn the thing off and go watch food or try to win some money. I, I don't know what else you would use the halftime show for. Clearly not for your entertainment. But again, no matter what it is you're trying to bet on, and they got NBA, NHL, literally every single thing you could think of, including WWE wrestling, they got some action for you. So be sure to sign up at mybookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so looking at the offense now, I want to start with the negative because I also kind of want to make a point. I mentioned yesterday how there's a lot of talking about wide receivers and whatnot. Now, there are some really good grades for wide receivers, but there are some that are not so great. And I, I think this is kind of the, the point. I mean, forget the trade deadline. That's probably going to pass. I doubt we're going to get anyone. That's fine. I think the wide receivers are kind of acting in the same way that the running backs and pretty much everyone else are. You got a lot of really not good, but there's so many guys that have ability that somebody's going to have a good day. And as long as they can keep that up, that's fine, right? So it's not like we've got two guys and that's it and nobody else can perform. So for example, let me, let me, rather than just going through good and bad, let's just look at wide receivers quickly. The lowest graded player on the entire offense was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. His grade was just bad. He was the only bad graded player on the team. The second lowest graded player, Geronimo Allison. The third lowest graded player, Jimmy Graham, right? It's not good. However, Mercedes wasn't bad. His grade in the, in the past game as a receiver was good. Uh, another good grade, Alan Lazard. And the fourth highest graded player with a very good grade, Jay Kumaro. So as long as we have somebody step up, especially if Devontae and when Devontae comes back, if we can get Devontae and Jay Kumaro or Alan Lazard or Geronimo or Marquez, I guess I'm okay with, and, and listen, I, I disagree with you if you say we have very good wide receivers. I don't think that's the case. However, I will come halfway with you and say that we have enough talent among the wide receivers that somebody, whether it's, again, Kumaro, Lazard, somebody, if we just have somebody step up. So it's, it's almost like we don't have a number two in terms of just a guy, but we have a number two somewhere. We just don't know who it's going to be that week. This week, Jay Kumaro was, was like a number one in terms of his grade. Let me just check overall real quick. Jay Kumaro had the ninth highest grade of any receiver. So yeah, legit number one this week. He was one tick above DeAndre Hopkins. And again, d- does that mean he's that good? No, it does not. And if you think that means that he's uh, th- like, this is his breakout and he's, this is legit. It's going, stop it. We've, we, this happens every week. Somebody has Alan Lazard, number one wide or number two wide receiver that week. Oh, this is, everyone freaks out. He's, he's going to break out. I knew it. Why, how did we miss him in college? It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Like it's, it's good. He's good. And he has a role and he had another good week this week. He's not a number one. He might be one, once in a while, which again is great because if we can get Devonte and Jay Kumaro to do this again, or Lazard, or Marquez, or Geronimo, that's awesome. So, I mean, I guess I don't care if you want to stay over there, but I'd like it if we could just kind of settle on this middle ground. Can we say that this is the thing? Right? We don't need someone else because we have enough guys that can be good from a week-to-week basis. And do generally, somebody's going to show up. I hope. I don't know. It seems to be going that way. So that's, that's what it was. And again, Marquez and Geronimo and Jimmy... Really bad day. Three worst-graded players on the team. Also, speaking of, um, you know, again, things just not going well for really inexplicable reasons. Again, they don't have good pass rushers. Brian Balaga, terrible day. Again, inexplicable. I don't know where it came from. He's a, he's one of the best pass blockers in all of football. One of the best tackles in all of football. He had a grade of 48 pass blocking. I, I don't I don't get it, but he just had a bad day. I mean, we saw he was injured. He had some issues with his hand. Obviously, they were bringing a lot of different blitz packages and everything else I just either way really bad day um, other guys that were below average and by the way um, everybody was below average with the exception of Marquez who was graded as bad um, other guys that are below average Danny Vitale Vitale I don't like saying that and Alex Light which hilariously somebody in the stock game and I don't know if you kept this bet but somebody said I want all my money on Alex Light and I was like dude if you if you put all your money in and he doesn't play it gets cut in half Alex Light comes in for 16 snaps. His grade overall was a 56.7, but I think his starting price was like a 30-something. So you made a lot of money if you kept all your money on Alex Light. I hope I didn't convince you to change your bet because that's hilarious. He actually had a pretty good pass blocking grade. We'll get in more on the blocking grades in particular in a little bit. I got to hurry up. But um, yeah, he did He did pretty well pass blocking. Just run blocking like everyone else. He was trash. Actually, a lot of good run blocking. Sorry, sidetracked. Um, We'll just run through all of them because there's not that many people. Um, Average, Evan Bayless, 10th highest graded player. And again, trigger warning, it was Aaron Rodgers. Again, as I said, he struggled a lot. There were a lot of errant throws, a lot of bad decisions, a lot of crazy stuff. Some 
absolutely amazing throws, and obviously he did well enough statistically. A lot of it was getting balls off to easy throws to guys who ran 70 yards down the field to get touchdowns. But I, I just I don't disagree with this grade. He had an average grade. If you disagree, that's fine. Wasn't his best performance, and we'll try to look at more statistics. I, I'm happy with it. Again, I think he's another example of somebody that overcame a lot of negative stuff. A lot of things were not going well. His his Basically, his number one wide receiver was having a terrible day. His number two wide receiver having a terrible day. His number one tight end, Jimmy Graham, the guy he loves to throw to, having a terrible day. They're blitzing him every single time. He's getting sacked three, four, five times in this game. Things are going very terribly. He overcame all that through some miraculous throws, find a way to win in the end. It's 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 a it's a good story, but it's it's not a complete story if we don't point out that he had some struggles. Um, other guys that were graded out as average: Billy Turner and Mercedes Lewis. Turner had a very very good pass blocking grade. I want to highlight that. And Mercedes Lewis had another good day of receiving, but his blocking was suboptimal. Getting into the good category, there were only two because there was a lot of really good. Uh, Alan Lazard, who's becoming a pretty legit weapon. Again, he's got a couple things that work, but he's he's got some unique stuff. Like these wide receiver screens are weird. You wouldn't expect him to be the guy. Just like Geronimo running jet sweeps. Like, why Geronimo? But it works. Um, and then Corey Lindsley, who, shockingly, pretty average as a pass blocker, very good run blocker. So just, again, a weird week. Very, very weird. Um, getting into the very good category, David Bakhtiari. You want to see something shocking. Very good pass blocking grade. Very good run blocking grade. He did have one penalty. I do remember that, and I remember thinking he's just having a bad day because he had that penalty, but apparently he was not. He was having a very good day. Um, other very good grade, Jay Kumaro, as I mentioned. Um, otherwise, Jamal Williams, obviously overshadowed by Aaron Jones, but Jamal had a very, very good day. Um, as a receiver, he had an elite grade, uh, almost elite grade in pass blocking, and a good grade in run blocking. He was just playing lights out. Second highest graded guy, and I'm going to actually give him an elite grade. It's an 89.2. I'm just going to bump that up. Elton Yo Mama Jenkins had a very good pass blocking grade and a borderline elite run blocking grade. Guy just played out of his mind. And then number one, which should come to zero surprise to anyone, Aaron Jones, who had a 94.9 overall grade. Very, very rare how high this is. Beyond that, his receiving grade was a 96.6. Almost perfect. So we had two running backs with elite receiving grades. He also obviously had a very good run, run, running grade overall. So just, again, you had some guys that didn't play all that well, but then you had other guys that were just out of their mind. Aaron Jones, Elton Jenkins, Jamal, Jake Kumaro, you know, Bakhtiari, guys just stepping up all over the place to make sure that we secure this win. Just incredible stuff. Uh, looking specifically at some of this blocking, um, in terms of best to worst, Jamal Williams, number one pass blocker. David Bakhtiari, number two. Billy Turner, number three. Props to Billy Turner. He catches a lot of flack. He's had some struggles, but very, very good day for him, pass blocking. Elton Jenkins, number three. Going down into the good now, you got uh, Danny Vitale. Alex, or actually, it was Alex Light, then Danny Vitale, then Jimmy Graham. Again, the guy just, he always has good blocking grades, and nobody ever cares about it. That's just the, the consistently, like, oh, he's, he's a garbage blocker. He's a terrible blocker. I get that he's not that great. But, I mean, he's actually not that bad. He's consistently graded out pretty well as a, as a blocker. Uh, then average Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley, and then bad Brian Balaga and Mercedes Lewis. Run blocking grades, this is shocking. Usually you get, like, one guy with, like, a good grade and everyone else is trash. Probably a lot to do with the fact that the Chiefs are just not very good, right? I, I mentioned they were the dead last in, in um, against the run their defense is. But either way, Elton Jenkins, number one. Number two is David Bakhtiari. Number three is Geronimo. Number four is Corey Lindsley. Going down into the good now, you got Alan Lazard and then Jamal Williams. A whole bunch of average. Um, nobody was down into the bad. The only one that was close to it was Alex Light with a exact with 50.7 was his grade. Looking specifically at the numbers, um, three of the sacks, three there was six sacks in the game. Three of them were credited to Aaron Rodgers for holding onto the ball too long, which really some of that could be given to the wide receivers possibly, but either way, uh, three sacks of the six given to Aaron Rodgers. Two of them, Brian Balaga, and then the only last remaining one was Corey Lindsley. Meaning Elton Jenkins, Alex Light, uh, Billy Turner, David Bakhtiari, zero sacks among them. Um, two hits given up, Brian Balaga and Aaron Rodgers were credited for those. And then a whole bunch of hurries. You had Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, Mercedes Lewis, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, given up hurries. So total pressures, Aaron Rodgers was responsible for five of his own pressures. 
again, I'm assuming this has to do with the little shot clock going off, and at a certain point they say, okay, this is on you, Rodgers. You should have gotten rid of the ball by now. You can't expect the offensive line to hold for that much longer. Uh, three of the pressures came from Brian Balaga. Two came from Corey Lindsley, and then one apiece for Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and Mercedes Lewis for a total of 14 pressures. Um, Aaron Rodgers also had two penalties, and David Bakhtiari had one, only three penalties on the day. So overall, pretty solid from everyone. Uh, not Brian Balaga's best day. Otherwise, I mean, everyone just did a bang-up job. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' overall grade, and this is sort of essentially... The biggest thing is he had a very good grade when there was no pressure. So Aaron Rodgers was fine when there was no pressure. His grade was in the 40s when he was under pressure. And because there was so much pressure, usually there's not that much pressure. So the the good very much outweighs the bad. 24 of his dropbacks with no pressure, 17 with pressure. So it was pretty close to 50-50. So it balances out in a very negative way. Um, With no pressure... He was 18 of 23, 78.3 completion percentage, which is fantastic. 236 yards, which is a 10.3 average, which is unbelievably high. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. NFL passer rating of 138.4. So it was a great day when there was no pressure. The the thing is, though, there was a lot of pressure, and he struggled. So under pressure, he was 5 of 10 for 69 yards, 6.9 average. One touchdown, uh, no interceptions, and five sacks. I don't know how they got to six unless they gave credit to two different people on one play. I'm not sure. But that's essentially how it went. That, that, and, I, and, and again, I'm fine with, with that being essentially the narrative. Aaron Rodgers was still on point, but the pressure got to him a little bit. There was a lot of pressure, and it caused problems, as it will for most quarterbacks. But again, the, the, the mental toughness to get to the point where a lot of quarterbacks, when, when they're getting hit that many times and when they're getting pressure every single play, they kind of just shut down, right? They start seeing ghosts. They start throwing bad passes. Aaron Rodgers just kept hanging in there. And by the end of the game, if he was able to find an open receiver, he was throwing pinpoint passes right to him, closing out the game, no problem. So the resilience, the mental toughness to just keep coming and coming and coming and just win the game, impressive. Not perfect, but impressive. Um, you, you could go on, to, you, even... To say that this he did have struggles and every single one of them is very understandable would be another way to say it. And again, I'm, I'm only walking on eggshells because some people are very, very sensitive about this stuff. Otherwise, very quickly, just looking at some of these uh, grades here, Aaron Jones, 13 attempts, which if, I feel like you touched the ball 75,000 times, so I'm shocked he only had 13 attempts. But 13 attempts, 67 yards, 5.2 average. He didn't have a single run over 10 yards, which, again, kind of shocks me. I feel like he had a lot. Uh, Jamal Williams, seven carries, 22 yards, 3.1 average, including a touchdown, two first downs, one carry beyond 10 yards. And then uh, receiving uh, the, let's see, let's go by most receptions. Obviously, Aaron Jones was the man. Uh, Second highest targets was five. Aaron Jones had eight targets, seven receptions, 159 yards, two touchdowns, 22.7 yards per reception. That's crazy, especially considering he wasn't targeted all that deep on all these too many of these throws. It was, it was a lot of yak. Yards after the catch per reception, 17.6. On average, he's getting 17.5 yards every time he touches the ball beyond where he touched the ball. Uh, Alan Lazard was uh, five targets, five receptions, 42 yards. Jimmy Graham, five targets, three receptions, 20 yards. Jay Kumaro, three targets, two receptions for 48 yards. Obviously, he had that one miraculous catch that was fantastic. Jamal Williams, three of three for 14 yards and a touchdown. Geronimo was one of three for seven yards. Uh, MVS was uh, one of two, and he also had the one drop of the of the group. So only targeted twice and dropped one is why you get a bad grade. And then Mercedes one of one for eleven yards. So that's about it. Again, there's 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 some negative, but even even the negative is is there's nothing that you can really sink your teeth into outside of the defense and the tackling and run defense issues. Those are the the two that I'm looking at. Like, come on, man. There needs to be something better. Outside of that, though, all the you know, Aaron Rodgers had a tough game, but even in that tough game, he had one of his best games. So, is anybody worried? Probably shouldn't be. Running the ball or, or the running backs in general, zero concern. Wide receiver, yes, we could have a a one guy with more talent than any one guy on this team, but the group as a whole. When you have guys every single week showing up as a top five receiver, it's a different guy every week, and usually the guy that's really good all of a sudden has a garbage, like Marquez was good two weeks ago, this week, garbage, right? I mean, I hate to use the word, but I mean, he just had a really bad day. But then you got Kumaro stepping up and is a top 10 receiver of the week, and then next week, Kumaro won't be very good. 
then Geronimo is going to have a great day. So if we can just keep that whole thing going, I'm good with our group. Let's just keep doing that thing. That's that's fine. But we got to make sure somebody steps up, especially if we can do that when, when Devontae's back, because it used to be Devontae was the only one that was any good and nobody stepped up. If we can have Devontae and one of these guys step up as a top 10 receiver, it is beyond game over for the rest of the league. And be, and the other thing is, you know, the, the we're able to win without Devontae. If you bring Devontae back... And then they start bringing extra, so so the number one corner that's been on Marquez goes over to Devontae, and then you bring in extra help, whether it's a linebacker or a safety over there. It's just, just going to make you get hurt even worse by these other guys. And it might take a little bit of time to figure out who's on, which the fantastic thing about um, Matt LaFleur is that he's willing to go through that. It's where it's like through the first half, we kind of figure out, okay, Marquez is having a rough day. Lazard's having a rough day. Geronimo seems to be on fire. Let's just put him out there a lot and then just roll with the hot hand. Because, again, people have bad days. It happens. Every player has bad days at times. Every team has sort of a bad, a rough day at times. But the ability to analyze things and not do what Mike McCarthy used to do, which is to say, I don't care if you're having a bad day. You're the guy that's really good, and I'm not putting in the guy because he's really bad. Even though he's having a good day, He's not good, and I don't like him. And I didn't, you know, we didn't draft him high. He's going to sit on the bench. He'll come in once in a while, makes a great play. Don't care. Sit down. Be quiet. Get back in here, Demarius Randall. I'm still very bitter about that. That's, oh, that's always my example. We so many times we had undrafted free agents come in, absolutely tear it up, and then go right back out. Demarius Randall comes in, gives up a touchdown. Like, why did we do that? But Matt Lafleur, Mike Patton, these guys, they they understand where the hot hand is and just roll with it especially Matt LaFleur, and I love that. And, and especially if, if this is how the wide receiver rotation is going to be, is even the running backs, right? If, if sometimes Jamal is having a better day and Aaron Jones is struggling, Jamal's going to take the load. Good. Run with it. Jamal has great days sometimes as a receiver, as a blocker, as a runner. If for whatever reason his smash mouth style is just, is just working, it's just clicking, fine. Jamal gets the, the majority of the load. You know, if, it, if today is Jamal and Alan Lazard day, let's make it Jamal and Alan Lazard day. I don't care who's having a good day. Just run with it, and that's exactly what they do. So, sweet. Got another win, man. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what the injury report is going to be. Somewhat nervous. It was a, it was a brutal game. A lot of people with some, uh, some tweaks. And uh, also hope that we can race to this bye week, because I think some of these guys, you know, uh, Zedarius, you know, Aaron Jones, a lot of these guys are getting beat up. Uh, B- Balaga. Bakhtiari, they, they can use a rest. All these guys need a rest. I mean, every single week it's starting to take its toll. But if we can just squeeze out a couple more, man, a couple more W's before that bye. Anyways, i got to stop rambling and get to work. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.